Welcome to the Tea Rannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to talk about how to nail your first page. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. What makes a good first page? It can be uh, pretty daunting to start writing a story. I think I've heard a lot of people say that like, looking at that first blank page and you have these pieces of ideas in your head and you're trying to get them down, but you don't even know what they are. How do you do that? Yeah, that can be a really big job. That can look really scary, which is probably why a lot of people don't even start. Um, but personally, I don't know, there's probably people out there like me who it's my favorite part, the start, the beginning. I love diving into a fresh story when I know nothing and I'm just going to discover it along the way. Um, but even then there's so many things to think about there's way too many and you don't know any of the answers yet because you might just have like an image of a character or a scene or something and it doesn't connect to anything because it doesn't exist yet um and that's you know I can see how that can be a little bit terrifying um so what do you pick to focus on how do you decide how you're going to move forward what direction you're going to take it um you got to consider things like in medias res and what's backstory and what's not and what's important and what's not in the first pages and then I think the biggest one is making the reader care about your characters. And I think that's where we're going to start this episode. So when you're looking at your first page, I've listened to quite a few different like videos from agents or editors or people just talking about this kind of thing or podcasts or whatever. Um, and maybe the single most common feedback I've heard in these scenarios is... Um, people asking about a character's voice or they're thinking about, okay, what's the character's voice in this first page? How is it grabbing me? And from what I have gathered, from what I understand is that they're looking for two different things here. They're looking for a distinctive personality um, that basically just like slaps you in the face as soon as you start. Like you establish a personality within the first few lines and this character is going to be interesting because they approach the world in, an, in a unique way. Um, and the reader wants to feel that and wants to feel that right away. Um, and they don't have to, they don't have to like the character, but they have to be intrigued by its personality for sure. And then the second thing is that they need a reason to care about this person and about their life, because if they don't care, then they're not going to keep reading. Why should they keep reading if they don't care? So yeah, they don't have to like the character. They, they definitely don't have to think that they're a good person or anything like that. Um, you can have a main character who's a serial killer. We all know that's not really a valid profession, um, but it can be really fun to read about if you write it properly. So uh, one way or another, you need to establish a way for the reader to care about who the character is, what's happening around them or where they're going, either because they relate to that person or because it's something that just makes sense, is intriguing, uh, maybe is shocking enough that it just keeps them going forward and they just want to know what's going to happen. And then the second thing that probably comes up the most, everyone's favorite, is Latin. Um, no, not actually Latin, but a phrase in Latin, because for some reason, English-speaking people like to do this thing in lots of different fields where they just pull Latin out of their butt and make that important. So in medias res, what does that actually mean? We could just say it in English. It's in the midst of things. And then you wouldn't have to explain it so much because it's basically in the name. But we make it a step more difficult. Um, first pages, I think, generally land best when they just throw you right into the middle of something. Um, that doesn't have to be like a sword fight. It doesn't have to be this big action where someone's, you know, on the 
fringe of death. Um, but in the middle of a situation or a conversation or an event or an action. Um, and as long as we have just enough context to understand what is happening in the immediate moment, we can figure out everything else later. And that'll be enough to grip the reader. If you give them enough emotion or enough adrenaline, you've got them hooked and they'll keep going. Um, so throw us into the middle of it. Keep things going while you explain what you need to along the way. And that that premise has probably been the most helpful for me in starting stories. Yeah, what's been most helpful for me is I think about it as like being dropped mm -hmm. into that world and into the situation that the characters are in. So, um, I mean, that's why I also love to write yeah. the first page of a first draft of like a new story. That's just mm -hmm. like my favorite. I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm yeah. just chasing vibes. <laughs> like there's nothing else happening in my brain. Uh, but yeah, like I don't like... Um, slow intro scenes or anything like that and I I feel like I want to be right in there right away getting to know the characters or sometimes the world building mm -hmm. can be enough to catch you at the beginning really it depends um but either way you got to hook your reader and so I know a lot of people struggle with character voice like especially on the first page and so one of the things that I kind of go with um as my advice is to write your whole story, start wherever feels right to you, whatever, whatever that is, you could have a slow lead up into a boring <laughs> conversation or something like whatever, mm -hmm. just start. And then when you finish the book, and that's when you'll actually have the mm -hmm. character's voice. And then you can go back and this is where everyone rewrites their first pages. You rewrite those first pages to match the voice that yeah. you got to know throughout the story. And then yeah. it becomes um, a lot more consistent and it it's way more mm -hmm. engaging to do it that way so that's kind of my recommendation for that um, and you know you can always when you get feedback from beta readers or whatever that's a great question to ask them does this story start in the right place for you because I've certainly picked up books and uh, sometimes I'll keep reading because someone like swore me it's like the best book that they ever read so I'm like I'll, I'll keep, give you a chance I'll keep reading <laughs> so I'm not give it a chance. So as I get to like chapter three or chapter mm. 10 and I'm like, Hey, this is where the story mm -hmm. probably should have started. Um, so it's a pretty, it's common. Like it happens in published books. Obviously we all do it in our own stories. Like where we think the story should start is not necessarily where it makes the most sense for it to start. So uh, that makes first pages even harder. I'm sorry. That was supposed to be soothing. No, I think, I think you definitely got it there. Because like the point is to just start. And like like we were saying at the beginning, you have all these questions that you're trying to answer. You don't know any of the answers yet because you don't have a story. So if you just start somewhere, it might not be the right place, yeah. but that's fine. Once you have the whole story, you have the answers to the questions and you can fix it. And I think that's probably the most comforting thing exactly. we could have said. <laughs> I mean, it's also how foreshadowing works too. Like you have to know what's going to happen before you can exactly. go back and make some exactly. foreshadowing. You know, otherwise you can't do it. <laughs> so uh, for today's episode, we're mm -hmm. so excited about this. We have a bunch of submissions that we are going to read and yes. comment on. And then we can talk a little about what worked and what doesn't work with, with each one. And uh, yeah, so let's dive into our first submission. Prologue. Nineteen years before. Howling winds dampened the cries of lost souls who wandered the castle grounds. Human corpses littered the area, the winds carrying the stench of death and decay. 
Darkness seeped from every crack. Death claimed every corpse as her victim. Life had turned a blind eye to the destruction, unable to stop what the fates had foretold. The tree's branches curved and shuddered like hands, guiding the creatures within the forest behind a blanket of thick fog as they watched the castle crumble before them, just as their queen had. The queen was chained to a stake in the courtyard, reduced to nothing more than a blackened corpse that hung limply atop the pyre like an abandoned marionette. The ghost of her puppet master's touch still lingered on her skin, staining it with his wickedly mortal hand. The air stilled. The winds stopped howling. Darkness and death paused in their feasts. The creatures within the forest halted. The world itself stopped. Then... A heartbeat was heard. So overall, this one impressed me so much. Um, I don't care for prologues in general. I find them unnecessary for the most part. And uh, I hate getting invested in uh, these characters and then we swap mm-hmm. to like present day or something and then yeah <laughs> I'm like I don't care about this I was yeah. interested in what was happening before uh so I don't usually like them but this one is perfect because it's omniscient mm-hmm. well written and the last line is just like mm-hmm. oh chills perfection oh love it so much <laughs> yes and if I pick this up in the bookstore the last line is where I would just <laughs> slam <it> shut <laughs> and power walk to the <laughs> checkout <laughs> When I was reading your comments about that, that that image of you, just like the power walk, those words, I can see it like a movie in my head. <laughs> and um, it's like Gollum clutching the, the precious. That's that's how I envisioned you. Not that you were like hairless and hideous. You looked like you. Um, but yeah, if it was like the last copy, I was right in there like fighting over it with my Bilbo best. Like, I'm just, I'm going to take the ring from you. Um, but yes, so... <laughs> That um, that. yeah, That's how you know we liked it. I We're would fight you for this book. Jokes um, I'm a pacifist. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> I would say that I avoid prologues as well. So I definitely resonate with that. I generally like if I see prologue at the top of one of the first pages, it's like, oh, groan. Why? Um, why can't you just start in the middle of the story and keep? Why do you have to give us background? But um, I think the thing about this one is you're right. Like it's short, it's punchy and it's the omniscient thing. Like it's not mm-hmm. establishing a character that I'm getting attached to. It's establishing a world and it's establishing a vibe. I think honestly, like you were saying, you're chasing vibes. This whole yeah. prologue, this page chasing is just vibes. a chase after a certain vibe and it nails it. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, it's, it's setting the stage. Um, and I get, like you said, with prologues that go on for pages and pages, you get invested in the characters in the moment there, in the world there, because you're building these relationships in your mind. And then we move on to different characters in chapter one, and we have to get to know them all over again. And we may never go back to those prologue characters, and that's super frustrating. But this, this is a soundbite. It's setting the stage, like it's it's breathing the world to life in one page. It's just a few short paragraphs. Like it's not even a whole page. I don't know how many words it is, but... And then boom, chapter one, like I would be so ready to follow this prologue to the ends of the earth. I'd walk into the fires of Mordor for this one. Um, it is beautiful. It is gorgeous. <laughs> I, As soon as I saw prologue, I was like, oh, we're starting there. And then I started and I was like, oh, we're starting there. And I was in. I'm sold. Take my money. <laughs> we don't we're even have to, we'll we buy don't it. have to talk Finish about the rest. It. Like that's, you know. <laughs> 
Yes. And we do have some like line comments, um, which we are going to send back to the, mm -hmm. the writers of these pieces. Uh, so we won't dive into them too, too much. But I did want to say the Oof. first sentence, like set the mm -hmm. scene of devastation. I was like, I read that first sentence and I was like, this is going to just be <laughs> a pants. I'm so excited. <laughs> yep. This one's going to hurt me. <laughs> Yay. Everybody's favorite. Uh, so I did like that. There was some good, good foreshadowing uh, in this piece as well. Um, I only had one word choice suggestion. And that was, I think, aside from that, I did not have any other uh, comments aside from, um, I love it, finish writing it, yep. give it to me to beta read. And then uh, I will be very, very happy. <laughs> yeah, I think in general, we're not going to go over <laughs> our line comments like this um, because we kind of have some overall thoughts at the top. But yeah, the, that first line. And then for me, it was mm. the contrast of the first line to the second one. So um, moving from the howling yes. man's death and the prize of a lost soul to wander the castle grounds. And then human corpses littered the area. It's just like, yeah, wham. It's like corpses, they dropped onto the ground in my it mind. Like, oh. It was just like, wham, bodies, bodies everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the winds carrying the stench yeah. of death and decay. Yep, I'm there. I'm smelling it. And it smells like glory. So Yeah. I actually felt like I was walking on a battlefield <laughs> yeah. when so I was the, reading yeah. this. Descriptions, the imagery like, in oh, this shit. piece. <laughs> absolutely gorgeous and it's yeah. short enough that it makes it work like you don't get lost in it like some of Tolkien's you know mm -hmm. page after page about a tree um we're not doing that yes. but we're establishing a setting <laughs> and then we're gonna like we're gonna just launch right into something epic so kudos well done hats yeah, off this is pretty awesome. you know I don't know if mm -hmm. we can pray, gush about this any longer because that would be unfair so we should move on yeah <laughs> to the next submission <laughs> so on to our second submission Friday, August 14th, 10 a.m. The gatekeeper turned to each of us one by one, waiting for each individual nod of approval. Seven heads nodded, confirming their decision. Then, he clicked the lock, shutting us in. He turned and left without another word, gone for the next 48 hours. 48 hours we would be here, alone, stranded, our cars locked behind the gate, the town much too far to walk back to. We could leave on foot if we wanted, try to hitchhike home. Traffic was rare out here, unlikely to stop, but we could try if we wanted to. Or we could stay for 48 hours. We always did, the seven of us who still came. The first year, there had been 19. The numbers had dropped quickly after the first, 12 fewer people in just five years. It was strange to think about how quickly that had happened. We stood for a while at the gate, staring over it, pretending we were here against our will, caged in. We had chosen this, though. We chose it every year, scared of what we would miss out on if we didn't. I was never quite sure if choosing to come here made us the brave ones or the opposite. A car tried to pull in, stopping just an inch shy of the metal gate. Jason's car. I recognized it right away, the same one from previous years. He jumped out just as my watch switched to 10.03 a.m. "'You're late!' Sarah yelled to him over the loudness of his engine. He jumped out of the car without turning it off. "'It's barely ten, he cried out, but the barrier was long closed, and none of us had the key. "'I can just park out here.'" 
Okay, so for this piece, um, I wanted a bit more feel. So I'm curious to know what happens, but I'm not invested in any of the characters yet. And I'm not even sure what character mm -hmm. we're um, getting this, like yeah. what point of view we're in, uh, who that character is. Um, and I think the the fix is not not hard. I think that focusing on on one or two characters in the first pages would accomplish uh, both of those things for me. And uh, we don't need an exact reason for why they're all there, what the gathering is for. You know, I'm sure that's coming in the in the following pages. Uh, but we could use like a little little hint. So like if it's something like creepy thriller like mm -hmm. like we could use some kind of creepy yeah. imagery like um the headlights like the way they like light people um you know people's shadows like just stuff like that like depending on on how it goes or if it's gonna be like kind of funny then like maybe he drives the car into the fence and like you know like just a little bit of um because I couldn't quite figure out which genre right. we're gonna be getting into here like the last piece yeah. was like this is totally a fantasy mm -hmm. like high fantasy uh, this one, I'm not quite sure what we're, I feel like it could go a bunch of different ways. And I just like to get more of like, that's what I'm talking about when I say feel like I mm -hmm. want just like a little bit more like when I open it up, I read this first page, I'm like, ooh, like this yeah. is a thriller yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> you know? I didn't really draw that out of your comment when I was going through this on my own. Um, but I think... Oh, okay. <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> we should maybe cut that. We should keep that a secret. Uh, pretend to be genius. Um, no, but... <laughs> I think you, yeah, yeah you've yeah. hit the nail on the head with this one because similar, I was feeling like, okay, this is interesting. I'm intrigued as to why they are, why they're voluntarily locking themselves into this location. Like, I do want to know the answer to that. I think that's, mm -hmm. that's enough of a question to keep me intrigued. Um, but I did, I felt a bit lost in the omniscient kind of presence. I didn't know where we were looking, where we, are we at a bird's eye view or are we going to be in a character's head? How is this going to go for a whole book? I don't think I could stay at a bird's eye view for a whole book. I think that mm -hmm. would get, um, that would be too distant. Yeah. Like I'm not close enough to care. I think it's that care piece that we're missing. And then I really like your point about establishing mm -hmm. uh, the genre more clearly because yeah, it could go any direction. And especially if you're writing to a specific genre market, you want to know within the first page that Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm in the right place. If it's high fantasy, last yeah. submission had that nailed. If it's horror, um, I would like to know about some blood or gore or something scary in this page because I could see it leaning horror pretty easily, mm -hmm. but there's yeah, just not definitely. enough there to tell me that that's where we're going because it could also be just a thriller or it could be mm -hmm. it could be a comedy. Like you said, if he's gonna like knock into the gate and they're gonna start mm -hmm. yelling at him and you know banter with the characters, then that would be humor. Okay, it's gonna be a humor story, or there's gonna be some humor woven in. Like that's not necessarily the genre, but yeah, there was there's some mm -hmm. some specific pieces that just a line here or there would add that um, that piece that just draws you in and makes you really want to keep going, right? And yeah. yeah, I think you really nailed it. That that's that's what miss, what's missing for me. But that forty hour forty eight hour time limit, um, and the fact that the characters agree to be locked in mm -hmm. somewhere for that amount of time, year after year, like this is not just a one or two off. This is several years in a row. Um, that does keep me really interested, and I would want to find out more. But I would very quickly need to start getting to know some specific characters and getting attached to them in order to go beyond the first chapter. Yeah, exactly. And like the first, um, the first thing that really caught my interest was uh, where, where it says, we always did the seven mm. of us who still came. That was like, I was like, oh, okay. So people like you can mm. drop out, mm -hmm. I guess, because 
like the seven of us who still came kind of insinuates that like they're not they don't die at the end or they don't (laughs) die in there (laughs) so like okay it's like it's Mm -hmm. voluntary but why so that that kept me interested and I do want to know why like I actually really do want to know why so Um, (laughs) so I think that that's yeah that's pretty much where we're at and there's a couple spots here where um Lisa had some suggestions for just a couple different beats just to give us, yeah, like yeah. the vibes. Chase you got to chase the vibes. Is that going to be the whole purpose of this episode? <laughs> I didn't realize I was gonna... Chasing vibes. <laughs> I didn't realize that was really my advice for first page, but um, that's how I write my first mm-hmm. pages. Chasing just like you're writing vibe. a Pinterest board. <laughs> just, you know, just go yes, for it. I can't a build like a that. Pinterest board to save a, a life, like but I can write as though I have. <laughs> You know, my Pinterest is like clogged. I have like a couple of like uh, whatever inspiration boards for like various drafts. And then I have like hundreds (laughs) of recipes. Have I made most of them? (laughs) No. (laughs) I also still like kept all like my wedding stuff on there. Like just like in like browse once in a while. Wedding stuff is fun. (laughs) Yeah, Pinterest is a bit of a black hole. Uh, anyway, moving on so we don't get, so get sucked into the black again. hole. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to head into submission number three. Excess Baggage, Chapter 1, Effie. I have three minutes to get rid of it. The driver is waiting in the car. My suitcase is in the boot. Auntie is calling my name, telling me it's time to go. Yet the upstairs bathroom, tucked away from all of the golden fixtures and ornate chandeliers and uncomfortable furniture, is calling me too. It's like a siren sound which I can't ignore. Trust me, I've tried. I lift the plastic toilet seat and lean my cheek against the cool porcelain, a small respite from the humidity. The air freshener pumps jasmine into the bathroom making me lightheaded from the sickly scent. Effie! Jekalo! Auntie yells, her voice full of resentment because she's forced to accompany me to the airport. I know I should hurry. Part of me wants to stand up and dust off my knees, my skin numb and ashy from resting on the marble tiles. It's finally time to leave this country, which I never wanted to visit. But I stay where I am. The index and middle fingers on my right hand stretch down my throat. I wiggle them as if they're walking on my tonsils. The silver bracelet loose on my wrist slides down so it almost reaches my mouth. I gag. Keep going. I gag. It's working. It slides up easily and quietly, although I always have a slight cough at the end. Come now or you'll miss your flight, Auntie shouts. Piss off, I mumble, but my heart catches when I hear her stomping up the stairs. When I reread this after getting to the end of the first read-through, um, I saw Maria's comment at the top on the first line and realized that I'd completely forgotten about it. So I found that very interesting. The first line, in case you've already forgotten like me, is, I have three minutes to get rid of it. And then we dive into the car being waiting and going up to the bathroom and everything and um, yada, yada, yada. But that first line... That is a very, very interesting first line. So I'm wondering why I forgot about it. 
Um, Maria caught it right away. Is her first line, her immediate reaction is like, what, what, what is it? What, what is this thing? Um, and that should have been the question <laughs> in my mind. So I'm wondering if it's because it's so short and we have no context, context for it. And then we dive into the rest of the story, which was very interesting, by the way. I was like totally drawn in by the descriptions and it's all so vivid. Like, I feel like I'm there. I can see everything so clearly in such a short amount of time. Like, as I'm saying this, I'm just getting overwhelmed a little bit. The power of description in this piece is incredible. Um, but that first line just got lost for me. Like I just, it went out of my head as soon as I read it. It was like in one ear, out the other, it's gone. Cause now we're talking about the house and then we're going out to the bathroom and then, oh, what is she doing and why? Um, so maybe adding one more line after that first one, hinting at what it is or describing what kinds of feelings the character has about it um, will help add just a touch more weight to that line so that it, like, this is important, remember this, and then we can move into the rest. Because um, I think it's, it's a really great place to start. Like as long as the, as long as the reader notices it, um, that's maybe just a dig at me. Maybe I'm just <laughs> a bad reader. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But as long as the reader notices it, that's a very powerful place to start. And I thought that was brilliant. And then Beyond the first line, because I don't think I've really said much beyond that now, um, and the vivid descriptions, yeah, that that is what drew me in. Like, as long as that's where the character kind of comes through throughout the whole story, I think that establishes a really good character perspective of someone who's very observant and um, cares about, you know, very very puts a lot of emphasis on their sensory world, what they see and smell and touch mm -hmm. and feel. Um, and the descriptions just, they enveloped me so completely in the world that when I got to the last line, um, I was kind of shocked to find it ending. Like I didn't realize that I'd gotten that far. And then I was like, wait, there's no more. The page is blank. It's over. How dare you? Um, so <laughs> I guess that's our own fault for only asking for one page. But um, that's also a very good sign that I just wanted to keep going. That was exactly what happened to me. I, um, mm -hmm. I love the first line because I thought mm -hmm. it was like, what is it? Now I'm going to read to find out what <laughs> it is, you know? And uh, I was so drawn in that I scrolled down and like it was over and I was like, what? <laughs> I was quite, quite mad that there wasn't more for us to read. I think next time we do this, we should be like, <laughs> and we'll decide pages. where to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we can decide where to stop. Yeah. I think that's maybe our, our next thing. Um, but yeah, I thought the details were great. The descriptions mm -hmm. were all great. Um, and I did uh, the part where she's, the, the bracelets on her wrist and she's mm -hmm. like gag like gagging mm -hmm. I gagged when I was reading it <laughs> and I do have a sense of gag reflex I won't lie um but I was still vivid. like wow that was pretty yep that was vivid <laughs> um and my only thing that I caught on here was at the very end here um where her auntie is like telling her she's gonna miss her flight and she's saying piss off um I'd prefer to see that with some action because Aunt has already called her, okay. I think, twice in in so far. And so for her to call her a third time, like, yeah, realistic, like, for real. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone's calling you to come down to go to the airport, like, they're going to just stand at the bottom of the stairs and scream <laughs> for you until you come down. Um, <laughs> at least that's how it always worked in my house. And uh, But I think for the sake of, like, forward momentum, which I feel like I talk mm -hmm. about a lot, forward motion – um, I'd like to see something else happen there. Like maybe she comes to the top of the stairs and her aunt is like, what's going on with you? And like, we get a little bit more mm -hmm. of a dive into like why she was taking so long or if she's anxious about having to leave right then, like just a little bit, start moving the story a little bit more, um, something. 
Sure. Start moving it yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine on the first page mm-hmm. to stay like where we are. But as we it go into the move. story, I think we got Yeah. And maybe it does in the next line. Yeah, we just absolutely. don't know it. So that's that's a fair point too. Right? I bet it like does. We only have that's... the first page. So take it all with a grain of salt because we don't have the full context. But I yeah. like what you're saying about, yeah, first page yeah. is done and we should start to, okay, what's the next piece? Where are we going? Beyond mm-hmm. Andy mm-hmm. yelling from the yeah, stairs. And, and I'm sorry if I butchered the pronunciation of yeah. words in this one because I... um. You know, I just don't know sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it happens. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to head into our submission number four. The memory throbs inside my head like a rotten tooth. Whenever I'm at risk of feeling content, whenever a comfortable stillness settles over me, it aches with the unmistakable ferocity of decay. My tongue swirls around it, probing back and forth, back and forth, even as it twinges with discomfort, meager penance for the mistake that I've made. Maggie scoops up Jack and twirls him in the cool morning air, skillfully keeping her balance on the slippery pebbles as the lacy tide nips at her sandals. Jack's infectious giggle reverberates through the silence, and the wind steals a fraction of it away before delivering it to me in a ribbon. Maggie's hair whips across her lips, and she unpeels it with her free hand. She catches my stare and smiles. I bare my teeth in what I hope is a reflection of hers, but I'm busy watching something else, something only I can see. I'm watching transfixed as a man wraps his arms around a woman. Her warm breath flares across his mouth. One hand caresses her cheek, the other buries itself in her hair as he presses his forehead to hers. He is a blanket trying to cover her. He is a whale wanting to swallow her whole. The body below him arches and the thin fabric separating their skin outlines her perfect silhouette, clinging to every curve. Her chest rises and falls above the soft swell of her breasts, her pulse thudding violently against his palm. Her legs are bare, her eyes imploring. He gazes upon her with an odd sort of reverence, mingled with crushing pain, powerless to move along any other trajectory. A sob heaves from her chest above the soft swell of her breasts, and his lips meet hers. His silent apology to the other condenses into a single, unfallen tear. I rub at my temples, but my skull guards this vision like a safe, impenetrable. Even as Maggie twirls Jack again and again, blissfully ignorant of my traitorous mind. All right, so this is another great first line. Um, it really, yeah, hit, hit me good. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I did cringe because I'm like, oh, yeah. rotten teeth. <laughs> but I think everyone has had a toothache at some point or like a cavity that hurts or like you've bitten something and like broke your tooth. And like you just know that that pain mm-hmm. is so awful and it just throbs. Yeah, and I thought that was very well done. Um, my My main overall comment really is that uh, this was vivid and I yeah. loved the imagery. I just thought that was mm-hmm. really well done. Uh, the two things I was confused about were who is telling the story and mm-hmm. what genre is the story. So it gives me like almost literary fiction vibes at first, but then 
the um a little later on um when they're talking about the vision and the traitorous mind and stuff like that that makes me think okay are we uh are we edging into like fantasy Mm. perhaps or like there's just not a lot of it could almost be a romance um it has a lot of potential ifs uh, it could also be a thriller. Maybe the main character is a serial killer, and he's like, "These guys look delicious." Um, <laughs> whatever. So I mean, uh, I got a little, a little bit confused there. So I'd love to get just a little bit more of a feel for uh, who is mm. telling the story and yeah. what genre we're in. Um, I did get quite. I, I loved mm-hmm. a lot of the lines in this. I mean, I think I flagged most of them. Uh, I thought meager penance for the mistake that I've made was mm. so good mm-hmm. I'm like what mm-hmm. mistake did you make I want to know and I want to <laughs> know right now <laughs> but we don't find out the yep. first page again <laughs> um and then when they talk about Maggie and Jack I'm like well in my my first instinct is that this is their wife and their child that's my first okay. thought uh yeah but it's not clear it's not clear so that's where I get a little bit, um, again, confused, like, because who's telling the story? If we know who's telling the story a little bit more than that, that will make more sense. Um, and then another line I really liked was, um, let me sit here. oh, he is a mm-hmm. blanket trying to cover her. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Um, there's a couple great beats here, like really beautifully written. Um and that was, yeah, that's my main my main takeaway. There's two things to fix. I don't really think that they're hard to fix either. So, yeah, I think they're pretty easy fixes. The the imagery in this mm-hmm. is just yeah, it's amazing. gorgeous. Yeah, I don't have too much yeah. to add, so I won't go into detail either. But yeah, like like you said, the descriptions mm-hmm. I highlighted a bunch um, that are just really really vivid, really really enjoyed, and it creates just a picture, such a clear picture in my mind. Um, and that is such a good way to just envelop the reader in the story because you're, you're seeing it as like a movie in your head and you're not going to let go of that anytime soon. So really well done and lean into those mm-hmm. descriptions and know that you, you have a very strong power for that. Like you've, you've got some magic going on in that brain of yours, dear writer. Um, but yeah, I was, I was also, I felt a bit lost in this one. I felt quite disconnected because we hadn't established any kind of connection to the narrator or whoever's, whoever's perspective we're coming at for, for this story. We understand the pain, the rotten tooth, but it was also a memory. And then I got confused as to whether they, do they actually have like a, a pain in their mouth or are we still talking about a memory? And then we learned about these characters, but I, did, I couldn't really establish their relationship to the, the narrator or what they looked like, who they were. Um, and then there's also a vision. And I wasn't sure how any of these things connected to each other or to the person, whoever is telling the story or what kind of story it is. So yeah, that sense of disconnect made it a bit hard to follow. But again, the the, the imagery is gorgeous. And with a few well-placed lines connecting the things together and maybe adding some context, that would probably make this a really great first page. So well done in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, on to submission number five. I got in. 
I leap up from my desk chair, throw on my black hoodie, and run out of my bedroom, tripping over the useless area rug in front of the door, losing my balance, my knees slam to the floor. Words jump around my brain like a jumbotron. Accepted. Mentorship. Reed Ashton. Must tell Cat. No time to waste. Pushing myself back up, I brush a thin layer of dust off last night's leggings. I shove my legs, aching in protest, into my beloved brown knee-high boots. Admittedly, it's time to replace this pair, all worn in and broken, but some things become too much a part of you to ever let go. The keys in my free hand jingle as I spill out the door and lock it behind me, wiggling the knob a few times, force of habit, and then take off to tell the news to my best friend at daily and daily caffeine supplier. My feet meet the sidewalk, and chill from the concrete instantly seeps into my soles. I glance through the traffic at the cafe cat owns. Memory Lane's sign hangs above the front door with a swooping powder blue letters that mirror the sky's soft edges when they blend into low-hanging clouds. This is it. I sprint across the street. Horns and expletives explode behind me. I burst through the iron door like it's a feather. The racket of welcome bells and steel crashing in my wake is drowned out by classic rock music playing throughout the cafe. It takes all of two seconds to spot Cat behind the counter and rush her, nearly knocking a frother from her hand. I huff, out of breath. Letter, email, mentor, water. Good morning, Roar. She trails off, examining my state from head to toe, last night's pajamas and messy bun, which I'm sure resembles a rat's nest at this point. So I like where this one is headed, um, but this could be an example of not starting in the right spot. And I really can't mm-hmm. say that for certain until I know what the whole story is about and like right. read to the end. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but I did get the feeling that maybe we started either a little too early or a little too late, depending on where this goes. Okay. Um, so the tension is all there. The excitement's kind of there, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't resonate with me yet which makes me think maybe I don't know the character well enough to be really invested in their their acceptance to to uh, the mentorship um but I do love friendships and stories especially like best friends I just mm. love it I love the banter I love the history I just you know everyone should have a best friend and so I love that about this and I love that the first thing they did was run to their best friend because that's <laughs> like what I do <laughs> rather I snapchat her and she's like oh my god 10 more snapchats from Maria like, I, just, I love language um anyway uh and uh to me this has the potential to be like a romance or contemporary fiction uh mm-hmm. but that's pretty clear enough in the first page here that I don't think it needs to be adjusted at all it's just we're yeah. talking quite a lot about this and other submissions I thought I'd touch on it here (laughs) and uh, there's a few spots where there's more uh, telling than showing but that's not always a bad thing right like I think that sometimes people get too uh, sucked into that and they show everything and I'm like all right Mm -hmm. and then it drags yeah Yeah, then it drags so I think we're looking at you man yeah (laughs) again (laughs) Um, there's a little bit of uh, you need a little bit of a balance Mm -hmm. so I did leave a couple comments uh, where I felt like we could give the reader more feel in that like I mean um what's around them and like what they're physically Mm. doing like I'm specifically thinking of when the character goes to dark across the street um and they basically tell us that they're excited and we already know that they're excited so right there is where I would want to see something like um are their hands shaking? Are they like hopping from foot to foot while they wait mm. for the walk sign? 
um, is like the really quiet old lady crossing beside them, like, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, give us, give us a little more of that uh, so we can really feel it from the character. And that will help us get way more invested emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you just needed a beat more there. That's Mm -hmm. good. I like that. For my part, uh, we both said that we really like the first line and the energy that is contained in it. Like we're just automatically thrown right into the excitement that this character is feeling, which I thought was brilliant. Um, We did feel that the first line was a bit run on, so we got lost. Um, I made a couple little grammar suggestions to shorten it and just to keep the energy, um, but to just split it in two so that it's easier for the reader to follow. It's just like it's basically a period and the word and and that's that's as much of a fix as you need so you know editing came in handy yay um but yeah i love the breathlessness of that first line because it's so long it does convey some of that this character is excited and and they're maybe feeling breathless and i think that that was conveyed really well in the way that that was phrased um but just Mm -hmm. cutting it short to clarify some confusion is all that's needed there um and then for the rest of the piece overall like yeah again loving the energy we're diving right into some chaotic traffic i mean that's dangerous and not recommended but it creates such a vivid picture of how important this is to the character um and this this goes a long way in getting the reader to resonate with with what the character is feeling i think maria is right and we're still missing some connection to the character beyond they're really excited about this thing um because we don't know what the thing is and what it means mm-hmm. we don't know what the stakes are um, we don't know what would happen if they didn't get this acceptance letter. We don't really know enough to care. So that care piece is coming in again. Like, I don't know this character well enough to say that I care that she got accepted. Like, people get accepted into things all the time. So why is this such a big deal? I think that's the question and answer piece that we're missing in this first introduction to get us really resonating. Um, but loving the energy and i am curious enough that i would want to keep reading this one to find out a little bit more but if i didn't get that connection piece i would i would start to to lose interest so um yeah some things to think about thunderous cheers embraced bryce like an old friend as she waited in the darkened wings of the stage it was so loud who knew the workers could make so much noise If she'd listened to her father and made this appearance from her climate-controlled bedroom in Central, Bryce sure wouldn't have known. Removing the walls, both literal and strato-induced, had 100% been the best decision. Even if it was a tad stifling in the cramped cement building and perspiration dampened her skin. The workers' quarter was more alive than a light quarter club at year's end. Their energy pulsed through Bryce, and she closed her eyes, a giddy, bubbly laugh escaping her lips. She bounced on the balls of her feet, shaking her fingers and rolling her neck, absorbing the crown's energy, letting it fuel her. A lesser ambassador would be nervous. But Bryce Diamond was the governor's daughter. More accurately, she was the nation's daughter. She'd been in the public eye longer than she'd had a social profile on the stratosphere. Speaking to the people of Gilder Nation City was her most important duty, so there was no time for nerves. Not when the people cried her name. Not when the pulse in her ears quieted, and the lights in the room beyond dimmed. Like the dawn before the sun, what followed always exceeded expectations. Thirty seconds. Sefer, Bryce's bodyguard and handler, said from her side. He was stoic, unmoved by the crowd and Bryce's giddiness, his eyes always scanning, his comlink kept chattering a constant stream of information. Mm. 
Okay, so I love this first line. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And this goes right back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode where you need to drop us into the action. This is the perfect example. Drop me into the action. I want to feel like I just jumped out of an airplane and landed (laughs) in the middle of the scene and no one can see me. That's what I want to feel like when when I'm reading it. Oh, I love that description. Yeah, and that's what this did for me. So I was very happy. Um, And really... um, great examples of world building in the first page. So Mm. there's no info dumping. Anyone who knows me knows how much I hate info dumping. (laughs) I almost dropped a big fat F-bomb right there because I hate it so (laughs) much. (laughs) I have not finished a very popular series that everybody loves because I could not do it. Yeah. So what I want for world building, is I want it to be threaded throughout the story with the character, with their actions and their thoughts. That's how I want to see it. And this is Mm -hmm. exactly what this writer has done. Mm -hmm. So, and that's what made it like amazing. I would just be, again, this is another one where I would like shut the book and like run to the truck. Like (laughs) power rocking Gollum Maria. Taking this baby home and going to read it, (laughs) binge read it in one or two nights and not be able to focus on anything else. Yes. Um, That's what, yeah, that's what you want. And I love that the main character was really confident. Uh, That's Mm. something I liked. I think, uh, too often, maybe a little too often, we get the the shy kind of passive characters, and then you know their character arc is that they they stop. grow out of that. Yeah, they grow out of that, yeah. and that's totally valid. A lot of us are are introvert and shy and quiet, mm-hmm. and that's I mean one of the reasons we like to write. <laughs> uh, but it is really fun to see the opposite and to have yes. what I already know is going to be a powerful kick ass character, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, what are they going to do next? Yes. Okay. Have I got a book suggestion for you? And this is for everyone. So I'll say it anyway. Um, I just finished reading Skyward by Brandon Sanderson. It's the first in one of his YA series. It's sci-fi. So I didn't think I'd be, you know, I was like, I'll try this. I'm not sure how much I like it. I don't usually get really invested in sci-fi. Oh my God. I loved it. I read it in a day and then I oh got the second one and read it the next day. I did not stop. I just bam, oh powered God, through it. I couldn't favorite. stop. And now I'm jerk. waiting I'm waiting for the next one because it just came out <laughs> and it's not available from the library yet. So I'm just yeah. Just but the main me. character is like she it's it's, it's false self-confidence and she kind of she evens out her character arc is more about evening out and losing some of that confidence because mm-hmm. she hasn't earned it. Um but she's using it as this defense mechanism and it is brilliant. And it's the fact that it's a woman and not like if it was a male character, it's like this is the kind of attitude you'd expect of a young guy in this situation. Yeah, yeah. hot headed, kind of an idiot, and just doing stupid things just to get through the day. <laughs> oh this God. is not my over appeal- all, overall so opinion of men. Um, let's not take this too far. But like it just seemed like typical teenage boy attitude character in a YA novel mm-hmm. who's like trying to pick fights all the time. But it was it was a female character and that the way that Sanderson wrote her, oh my God, so good. Amazing. Can't get over it. And that's why we've gone on a huge tangent here. Yeah, we um, do that sometimes. Usually we edit this kind of stuff out for you guys. Not this time. Not today. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> um, back to the submission. And maybe I should read a portion of it um, because, yeah, I think resonating a lot with what Maria is saying here, I actually have the extreme honor of having read the full draft of this story before. So 
the person that submitted this one, I have um, worked with her before on some other pieces and love her stuff. And she asked me to beta read an earlier draft of this. So I'm seeing this revision of the first pages for the first time. And I was very excited and it did not disappoint because this is so good. Um, and I think Maria's hit it again. The piece that makes this kind of shine is, well, first the confidence. I have a note about that as well. And then second, the world building piece that we're getting a lot of knowledge here, but it's not its not an info dump. It's not just straight paragraphs of information. It's threaded with description and this character, and we're learning who Bryce is. Um, and I think the paragraph that Maria pointed out specifically was um, where it goes into, a lesser ambassador would be nervous, but Bryce Diamond was the governor's daughter. More accurately, she was the nation's daughter, and yada yada. But it's just... It's this one paragraph. It's short enough that you don't lose traction, um, but it gives you enough of the world that you know exactly where Bryce stands and who she is and how she thinks of herself in the face of her environment. Um, and I think that that is brilliant and shows some great awareness of your character and your story. So kudos to that. And then aside from that, the opening, it feels so intimate. It feels so engaged. We are so firmly in Bryce's head. Um, and it's... it's Partially because she thinks she knows who she is right now. She's very confident that she knows who she is. And that confidence comes through on the page. And it's really well done. Um, not in an arrogant way either. Like, she doesn't feel arrogant yet. Um, and, yeah, just a very powerful, grounded way to start. And then the description's vivid, beautiful, and I just love, love, love this. Absolute bravo on this revision. <laughs> Chapter 1. Amaris I should be scared, but there is beauty in the chaos. Waves crash against the cliff, breaking water into mist. My hair whips around as the voice of the wind cuts the air, yelling at me to seek shelter. The storm rolling in isn't unusual this time of year, but it's vicious and unrelenting, turning the sky gray with heavy clouds. Rain falls over the ocean in sheets, slowly making its way to shore. The cliff's edge is a dangerous place to be during this weather, but something about the way storms rage speak to me. I want that much power. Lightning flashes over a ship in the distance, trying to outrace the storm. It fights to keep in front of the waves that claw at it, trying to pull the mass of wood and men into the watery depths. Amaris! From down the path, Marguerite waves, calling me away from the edge. She knows I will stay too long, risking my safety to watch the storm. I only make it a few paces before looking over my shoulder, the rolling grape clouds swallow the ship, solidifying their doom. Good. Their destruction means our survival. Amaris, I'm not nursing you back to health if you catch a cold, Marguerite yells over the wind as she walks towards the village. I hate the villagers for what they did to my parents, and she knows I want to leave, knows the longing in my heart when my gaze falls to the ocean. The only reason I'm still here is because she needs me. And when I needed her, she never left my side. When I reach her, she grabs my hand and squeezes, only to let it go a moment later. Another fantastic first line. You guys are just getting me today. Um, 
And another badass main character. So <laughs> I would also binge read this. <laughs> yes, that's my highest compliment. I would run to the checker <laughs> with it. Yeah, because I would go home and immediately open it and be dead to the world until it's finished. Um, so the imagery was great. So the first thing I thought of when I was reading this, I pictured myself standing on the rocks at Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland getting pelted with rain. Ooh. Um, yes. And it was awesome. It was great. Uh, except I got pelted with rain and I totally <laughs> soaked. But that is what it brings to mind. Like just the yeah. raw like energy of like the the sea and like the rocks and mm-hmm. the weather and like just seeing a ship out there, I would have been like quite concerned for them. Uh, so I thought that that was well done. The fact that it put me right into a place where I felt all those things was like yeah. oh, perfect scene setting. And uh, I really loved that she says, she comes right out and says, I want that power. Like mm-hmm. give me oh, all these line. badass characters who aren't shy about wanting what they want. Like, yeah, I'm a little tired of the noble characters. Like, I want things for the greater good. Most, <laughs> most people don't want things for the greater good. Or climate change would not be such a problem. And uh, people yeah. would all be vaccinated. Okay, so, like, <laughs> let's be real. People are selfish. <laughs> and I think it's way better to see that, like, represented in a story. Like, now I'm invested in this character. I'm like, right. what else do you want? What do right. you want that power for? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the point. Want to be invested in the character. Um, I also thought the word choices were great, especially yeah. like it really drove home the descriptions, uh, you know, vicious and unrelenting and stuff like that. Like just the word choices can have such an impact on you as well. Like I think that um, sometimes people, you know, they want to keep it simple and that's good. Sometimes people make it too complicated. <laughs> There's like that middle ground mm-hmm. where um, you're using the right language for the story that you're telling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important also another reason we recommend to read in the genre that you write in is so that you can kind of figure out what suits. Yeah, what the conventions are. Yeah, like what you'd write for word choice in middle grade is going to be very different than something like this, which is fantasy. Mm-hmm. And this is since we've talked about it a couple times, this is a great example of like we walked into this and I know this is going to be fantasy or something. Yeah. Or historical or something. Or historical, yeah. yes. Like it's got something something cool happening and so yeah I loved it yeah I'm I'm with you right there I love that uh that first line I had an interesting experience with the first line I love the way it's phrased first of all it's a lovely description um when I first read it I just read it in my head I was reading through the whole thing and I kind of wondered if it should be the second line because I wanted some context of what the character was looking at before I got uh the explanation from that line and I was you know I was thinking Maria really liked it where it was so maybe it could go either way but I would prefer it here and then when I read it out loud this time for this episode um I preferred it as the very first line so I think you could go either way um and it's definitely more interesting as an as an opener than uh the line about the waves breaking against the cliff because that's just you know Waves do that all the time, whatever. Um, so, so yeah, I think it could go, go, go either way. And it's it's a really powerful line as an opener because it um, it sets a stage for a badass character to emerge. And that mm-hmm. character emerges right away. So that's very satisfying. I love um, that. Like, yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That line, I want that power. I think that, yeah. Of, yeah. of the whole thing, the first line and that power line. Oh my goodness. 
yeah, so I don't have too much to add. I'm very much in agreement with basically everything Maria has said, even though I've never been to Ireland. Sad me. Um, I think I had one or two suggestions for moving some words, but other than that, like the descriptions in this piece are incredible. And the the relationship that we've got hints at between Amaris and Marguerite um, is very interesting. I want to know how close are they? Why are they close? What is it that Amaris needed for Marguerite to stay with her in this area? And why is Amaris so set on staying with Marguerite? And what is the dynamic there? I'm very curious about that. And I think this piece is really good at establishing what we've talked about from the beginning about that character voice that we're looking for, that really strong um, emphasis of this character knows who they are and what they want, at least in this moment. And it comes through 100% clearly. Um, I would say similar to the last submission like we talked mm-hmm. about. So excellent brilliant love it anything at the ocean is probably going to win my attention anyways but that's me too that's a side note (laughs) that's just an aside i think it's just like the ocean like even though we live close to the ocean Mm -hmm. like to me it means kind of like vacation like reflection time yep so i always it puts me in like a good headspace like Mm -hmm. oh i love that it's very like you know powerful and mysterious and all that good stuff too i think brings on a lot of good emotions when you bring in the yes. ocean <laughs> absolutely and the ocean has always meant writing time for me so it's like okay yes we're gonna get into something epic here and then we do yeah. So, oh yeah it's yeah. so good excellent all right and we're on to our last submission for today of love and beer When Ellis Bourne's mother walked into the brew pub with a young man trailing behind her, Ellis ground her teeth before forcing herself to smile. "'Hi, Mom,' Ellis said. "'What are you doing here?' "'As if I didn't know.' At the same time, her mother, taking in Ellis's faded jeans and Blackbourne Wild Brewery t-shirt, said, "'Ellis, what on earth are you wearing?' "'Work clothes. What did you expect to find me in?' "'But you're the owner now, darling,' Mrs. Bourne said through a tight smile, her eyes flicking anxiously at the young man beside her. "'Surely you could dress a little nicer?' Ellis just raised her eyebrows and shook her head slightly, saying, "'You still haven't said what you're doing here in the middle of the day. I thought you'd be at work.' "'I came to introduce you to this charming young man,' Mrs. Bourne said, giving him a wink. "'Ellis, dear, I'd like you to meet Wallace Cook. He's an engineer, just hired out at the base. Wallace?' This is my daughter, Ellis. Ignoring her mother's self-satisfied smile, Ellis shook Wallace's hand. He wasn't bad-looking, actually. A little short, maybe, but he had amazingly blue eyes. She really did have more pressing business to get to, but she could play nice for a few minutes. After all, it wasn't his fault her mother was an insatiable matchmaker. Wallace came in to get a haircut, and we got talking. Turns out he's a beer connoisseur. Isn't that wonderful? Mrs. Bourne beamed at Ellis. So I told him about you and your brewery, and of course he wanted to meet you. Ellis cringed inwardly at her mother's crowing tone. Okay, I'm off. Back to the salon, Mrs. Bourne said, sweeping away and leaving Ellis and Wallace staring awkwardly at each other. Wallace, I trust I'll be seeing you again soon. So the writer uh, left us a note here at the 
top of her submission saying that this is a romance, uh, but I mm. would have gotten that vibe from it already. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So uh, this is one of those stories where I love the premise, like right off the bat, uh, but I don't think the story is starting in the right place. Okay. So my suggestion would be to rework the opening scene uh, with Ellis. Like maybe she stands up from grabbing something under the bar and she comes face to face with Wallace and she has a moment where she's like, oh, cute guy. <laughs> then she spots her mom and thinks, ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a better opening to me. Um, and it would it would kind of propel us into the story a little earlier and okay. skipping some of those niceties that happen in real life, but they aren't really necessary right. to read about. Uh, the one thing I would definitely keep is the mom's kind of rude comment about what she's wearing because... <laughs> I think that <laughs> gives us the relationship dynamic right away. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very strong establisher of mm-hmm. the dynamics between these women. Um, but yeah, I like what you said about conversation. Like it's one thing to drop you into uh, a conversation into the middle of dialogue. This is more at the start of a conversation. So we are getting the kind of hi, how are you vibes? They don't say that necessarily, yeah. but it kind of starts off that way. And generally when you're talking about dialogue in fiction writing, Rule of thumb is almost always to skip those because it automatically feels a little bit dull. So I, mm-hmm. I think I think you've got something here that if we start just a bit later into this conversation, somehow reworking it, uh, that would drop us into the middle more effectively. And then yeah. we'd um, we'd have that emotional high right off the top, a little bit of adrenaline. Maybe you could start with that. Surely you could dress a little nicer line and then we're all like hackles raised. Who is this woman? Um, I didn't want to say woman there. I wanted to say a different word. And (laughs) (laughs) going to be nice. But yeah, um, when I was making my comments on my own before we recorded the episode, I I hadn't considered Maria's angle as much. and I think I'd want to I'd, I'd want to see a little bit more of the story to say for sure because we don't know if Wallace is actually going to be a love interest in this, mm-hmm. even though it is a romance. Um, we're assuming because he appears in the first couple of pages, he's at least going to be um, one of one of the choices. Uh, whether he ends up being Endgame or not is another matter. But I think you've hit something really important that while we are starting in the middle of some kind of action in the middle of a scene, um, it's not. It's not sitting quite right. Um, yeah, starting in the in the beginning of a conversation can possibly be the problem. It can possibly lead to feeling a bit tiresome. And since this is like the mom's just walking in to say hi, so it's almost inevitable that, okay, we got to skip past that to get to the good stuff. And you don't want to start your reader off on that foot. Even if the beginning part is containing some of the good stuff they're they're just going to have that vibe of, okay, we got through the go through the high hello and then we'll get to the good stuff. Like you're automatically establishing in their mind that they have to skim the first half of your first page uh and you don't want that you want them to be really invested with the first few lines so yeah like i said i want to see more i would want to see more before i say for sure take this with a grain of salt do what you got to do um our comments are all just suggestions i don't know if we've liked that up to this point like (laughs) don't take our word as law just because we're saying it maybe i'm too arrogant to even say that out loud because who would take my word as law but I just, I, I just want to make sure you workshop my work. I'm like, oh, at least said it. It's true. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. So this is why I usually, I usually spit out a disclaimer of like, these are just suggestions, and I mean that honestly. Like, if you don't make the changes that I suggest, you're gonna be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find your own way, and that's totally okay. These are the things that I felt as I was reading it from my worldview and my point of view that it yeah. would 
be improved if yada yada. So I think you get it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as far as this piece goes, the the dynamics between the characters are very interesting. Like there's automatically this this friction between Alice and her mom, and it's it's great. Um, you can maybe tell in how I read it that I had fun reading the dialogue, and I don't usually because it makes me nervous. I'm not a voice actor. But just the the conflict between them immediately as the mother walks in, it's like, oh, here's this overbearing woman. This is going to be a problem, and we all know it. And we feel for Ellis immediately. So you have established this, I care for this character because they're in a tough spot, and this mom's being real nasty. Um, <laughs> so I think you've established that, and just reworking a couple of things will make it land like it'll be a gut punch instead of just a light tap. Yeah, because that, that definitely has the like a good possibility of being like one of those lines that most people read and they go, Ooh, ouch. I feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That I, stings. Yeah. Especially mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm really lucky that I have, I have a cool mom uh, <laughs> and we wear like the same outfits. Like we've had to change before we go out together. Uh, so I don't really have that problem, but yeah. Um, <laughs> when people, I see other parents often say that to their kids and I'm mm -hmm. like, why does it hurt you that they're wearing that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why, why was that necessary? You know I mean? Come like, on. Like, my dad came over after work the other day. Again, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast where, like, <laughs> he shows up, I get home from work, and I'm like, oh, I'm done work. And then he shows up to, like, have a beer with my husband. And I'm like, frick. <laughs> <laughs> work followed me home. So, yeah. And so I, like, went down to say hi, and I was wearing cat pajama bottoms with fluffy socks. My pajama bottoms were tucked into my socks. I was wearing a so hockey cute. shirt with a very large cardigan that like went down like almost to my knees <laughs> and he didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he's doing, at least in that moment. Yeah. Oh, so good. it's like, it really shouldn't matter to you. But I think, mm -hmm. yeah, as someone at some point has said that to you in your life yeah. and you just, it gets everybody's hackles up for oh, sure. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a great line. Like you have to leave it, it in is. there, even if you yeah. listen to all our other suggestions, like yeah. that's the main one, like leave that one in there. <laughs> Definitely keep that one. We felt that hardcore. Yeah. And uh, something that's possibly just a a uh, preference for me is I don't like a ton of dialogue in the first like paragraph kind mm. of. Like I like to get a little bit inside the character's head or in the setting a bit before yeah. dialogue starts. And that's that could just be a preference. I know lots of people don't mind reading dialogue right off the bat, mm -hmm. but I would love to have like a paragraph where we get into the, like, anchored in the scene is what I always refer to it as. Uh, yeah, like, where we feel like we're there and dead the dialogue. I think that may be more than anything else that we've set up to this point, that may be what's missing, is that we don't feel connected enough to this character to really, for the for the dialogue to really land. Like, that yeah. line about dressing a little nicer hits, that's a gut punch for sure, no matter mm -hmm. what. But everything else feels a little bit disconnected because, you know, we don't we don't really know anything about Ellis besides her profession and that her and her mom have a rocky relationship. Um, that's kind of all we get in this first page. And I feel like we do need something a bit more to hook us into the narrative. So like you said, if there was maybe, if you open with a line of dialogue from the mom, that's fine. And then we're going to go into the conversation on the first page. That's fine. But what is Ellis's internal emotional response to that dialogue? Yeah, And I think that's maybe what would drive this home because then we're going to hear her personality. We are absolutely mm -hmm. going to get everything about who Ellis is in that moment in response to that line. Because mm -hmm. there's no way it's not coming out in her head, even if it's not coming out of her mouth. I know that all too exactly. well. <laughs> yes. And I think, yeah, you're right. No, you nailed it. Because um, even if someone you don't care about 
said that to you, mm-hmm. you're still going to be a little stunned yeah. by it, right? You're not feel like, that. You're still going to feel it. I think anything like that, that feels like a personal attack, even if it's from someone you don't respect, you're going to be like, ouch. But yeah. coming from your parent who you love or respect, or even if you have a not a great relationship with them, I think sometimes it almost hits worse when you don't have a great relationship with mm. them. Like if you have a good relationship with your mom and she makes fun of your outfit, you're going to be like, yeah, well, you're going great. <laughs> you know? But if you don't have a good relationship with your mom and she says that to you, you're going to think of all those times that she's made you feel like shit before yeah ruined your self-esteem and like that it 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 goes so much deeper Mm -hmm. there's so many layers to parental relationships so there's just so much that can be done with this and we kind of went on a tangent about it but (laughs) (laughs) I, I love it um my final thought for this piece was um I don't think that Wallace is going to be the main love interest of the story. So Mm. if he is going to be the main love interest, um, I want him to be a little more like plucky and sassy and like, just give us a little something when he meets Ellis, because otherwise what, like aside from him being attractive, like people can be good looking and you cannot be attracted to them. Mm -hmm. So if she's going to be attracted to him, he's got to do something that makes her be attracted more than just his looks it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be something it could be something he says uh in response to something her mom says and she yeah. goes oh wow he dealt with that well or mm-hmm. if he's you know he's not going to be the main love interest then it's it's okay that he's kind of just kind of skate over his you know appearance and personality because it's just like a I don't want to say a plot device, but it's just showing us like the relationship between mother and daughter and she's going to meet the love interest later. Um, That's also fine. But I just want to, I got to get a vibe for it. I've been reading a ton of romance too. So I think (laughs) if anyone follows me on Instagram, you know, I'm just binging Regency romances like no tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to run out of them. I'm afraid. (laughs) I don't think that's possible. That's probably not. But uh, that's something that, that's huge whenever the love interest meets or whenever the main character meets the love interest yeah. something gets said it's usually I mean it's almost always like I don't like this person and you're always like oh but mm-hmm. you will yeah um, <laughs> like we gotta get that we gotta get that here mm-hmm. falls with the love interest yeah I, re- I really like that point I, yeah. I didn't pick up on it again i I didn't pick up on it until I saw Maria's comment about it. And she's not good No, yeah, exactly. She's wildly more experienced here than I am, but <laughs> That was not a dig. That was no not a dig. No one looked at my e-reader. No one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this comment because as far as the first page goes, Wallace does not have a personality yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he is going to be the main love interest, which makes him a kind of secu- secondary, but essentially a main character. He is a main yeah. character because he's that important to the plot. Um, we need to see his his personality come through. And I mean, if you want to go for the classic Mr. Darcy, if he's the like strong, mm-hmm. silent, brooding type lean into that and really yeah. establish it in Ellis's mind in that first page. If he's shy and like in an adorable puppy dog kind of way, um, lean into that and somehow have his behavior show some aspect of his personality to really make us know that this character is important. Otherwise, as you've said, if he's just secondary mm-hmm. Wallace, Wallace is just sad boy on the sidelines. Um, this surface level is fine. And the more important thing is the mom and Ellis and then we need to focus on that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Overall, I love I love the conversation that came out of this. Yeah, me too. I also loved um, her profession. That's pretty sick. Yeah, love that's pretty. Room. Yeah, she sounds pretty badass. She sounds so. cool. I, I and how she <laughs> how she responds to her mom is like, "What are you doing here? 
you mm-hmm. again. Why are you doing this? Oh, come on. <laughs> Get out again. of my hair. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like yeah. she doesn't cower. We know she's like, she's going to stand up to her mom eventually, even if she kind of lets her get away with a lot because that's just who she is. But there's definitely the sense that this character is going to, you know, she's going to stick it. I think we just need to say a really huge thank you to the eight lovely authors that submitted their work and let me read them, possibly butcher some of them as I read them. Um, I tried to do it as smoothly as possible without too many takes. So thank you so much to all of you. We will be sending you our comments in written form um, by email. And that way you don't have to worry that you have to listen to this to get them all down or whatever it is you do in your note-taking process um, because we know how handy it is to have those written down. So um, as we said earlier, like feel free to take whatever is useful and leave the rest. Um, These are, yeah, we just want to emphasize that. These are suggestions only and we completely understand that we may not be the ideal reader for your work you might not be writing in a genre that maria and i really vibe with and that's that doesn't mean that your work isn't good it just means that it's not our thing and that's totally okay you're going to find that with agents you're going to find that with editors you're going to find that with whoever is going to read your stuff so um i also want to commend you like sending your work to somebody to be critiqued is really nerve-wracking and I remember mm-hmm. the first few times I did that when I'd never shared my work with another living soul before I thought um, I was gonna puke I thought uh-huh. I was gonna puke I was yeah. like, oh my god they're gonna Flashbacks. hate it they're gonna call me an idiot right yeah, so yeah rough. like well done on having the courage to do that and pressing that send button and like seeing the submission call and believing in yourself enough to send that out because I think that's a really beautiful thing and I really appreciate everyone for doing that. I got to read some really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I got to practice my reader voice. Was it silky? Was it smooth? Please don't tell me. I don't <laughs> sure want to know. Um, <laughs> uh, Are we reading yeah. romance novels? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I am not using this as a pitch for being coming an audiobook narrator. Just saying. Not ready to dive into that as a profession. But... I did have a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun going back and forth on comments together and talking about them together and overall gushing about how good they were together. Um, There were so many just amazing uses of description in all of the pieces. Like, I I can't get over how much I enjoyed uh, just seeing these worlds come to life. And I could gush on and on and on about this for a really long time. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we are very grateful to you all. Thank you so much. One of the last things that we wanted to cover is info dumps. I don't know that we went into this a whole lot. We didn't go into it before and maybe not so much in between because when you get only one page, it's a little bit hard to gauge how much information is actually necessary. But oftentimes with first chapters especially, there's either too much or not enough information. It's usually one or the other and (laughs) the balancing act comes in revisions. Um, We all experience that and that's totally understandable. But more often than not, it's too much. Um, Info dumps are a thing. That series that Maria was talking about that she didn't finish, I didn't finish it either for the exact same reason. Like we got chapter and after chapter of just information and not enough character and not enough story. Like move the story forward or I'm going to get bored. Um, And I think most of these did a really good job of that. I don't think there were any... I don't think there were any info dumps that I noticed Mm -hmm. in any of these submissions. Um, But we did want to touch on it because they're just a slog and you don't want that. Uh, You want 
you want to hook the reader first. And I know it feels manipulative or whatever. It can feel like you're cheating. Um, and you feel like you need to give all this context and make sure that they really understand everything so that they can, you know, mm-hmm. understand all the cool things that you're going to do later. And when we go too far in that direction, I think we ignore two very key facts. And the first one is the most important. Readers are so much smarter than we think they are. And they can usually figure out a lot more than we think they can with just a few well-placed hints and foreshadowing. So um, try to remember that as much as you can. Your reader probably gets it way faster than you think. And you don't need to share as much information up front as you think you do. Um, So less is more. Um, And then if you need to add more, it's easier. It's easier for readers to say, I don't understand, add more here than it is to say there's too much cut something because then they have to try and establish what you can cut. And that's going to be really hard for them when they don't know the whole story. Mm -hmm. So readers are really, really smart and you don't have to hold their hand as much as you think you need to. And the second thing that I was going to say is you're going to need to know the whole story before you can unravel your backstory and information successfully. Um, And you don't need to give it all to us in the first chapter because you have that whole story. Like you have a whole lot of bandwidth. You can go far out. You can just, you can wait a few chapters to tell us that really cool thing that's going to, you know, impact the rest of the story. Give it to us in bits and pieces uh, as it becomes relevant. Try not to go into too much detail because we want to stay in the present and we want to keep the, movie, the story moving forward. That's why we're here. So that's the most important thing. But we do need to know some some things that happened in the past to understand what got us here. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one wants to be dragged through a textbook introduction to get to a good story. So <laughs> don't try and force them to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much it about info dumps. Um, they're one of my pet peeves. So I feel quite passionately about them. Me too. I feel like I could do an episode of just me ranting about <laughs> info dumps. So I don't think anybody would want to listen to that. But like, it's, they drag me right out of the story. And I, I can't. And yeah, I'm very happy to say that that none of these pages did that everything was like punchy and great. And I love that. Um, and that's the whole thing about the forward motion. Um, you always want to keep pushing forward, forward, forward. Like you do need to give your reader like a breather. Yep. But, you know, you can let your beta readers kind of leave that in their notes too. If you're not sure where they need a breather, you can, you know, work in some short ones and see how that feels. But it's it's a big thing for the pacing. So forward motion is your friend. Um, the other thing we talked about that I think, uh, maybe I should have talked a little more about is anchoring the reader in the setting. Uh, I say this to a lot of people when I'm workshopping pages, because I think sometimes the writer kind of just throws you in and is giving you the character. And that's awesome. We want the character. That's who we're here to learn about talk about and see their journey, whatever. But, uh, we need a bit of setting too. Yeah. And sometimes it's not necessarily like where they are. It's when they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in fantasy, like where are they in the times and time scheme, you yeah. know, are they, we like, you know, uh, in the future, then that's a little more sci-fi. Like are we, you know, middle ages and then like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that just helps the reader get invested. Uh, and then the weaving in the world building with that one piece, I think it was number six. Um, that was done so well. Yeah. And that's how you get a good hook for your reader for the world without info dumping. Because mm-hmm. uh, like you said, the readers are smarter than you think they are. Yeah. We don't need to tell them everything. Okay. And they want to discover it on their mm-hmm. own a bit too. Oh, absolutely. Right? If, you just, if you just give it to them, it's like, 
Yeah, there's going to be an exam on this at the end of the book. <laughs> or, yeah, I don't need to read anymore. I know all the details. Thanks, bye. I know everything. Yeah, now. screw it. <laughs> uh, so that's something to think about as well. And then um, vivid descriptions are important and the right word choice for your genre. Yeah. So um, the other thing that actually came up surprisingly that I didn't actually make a ton of notes on when I went through these pieces at first uh, was making sure the reader at least has a hint of the genre that you're mm-hmm. writing in. So if it's thriller or it's horror, like find something that makes it distinctive and give it that kind of scary vibe uh, or the tension. You know, fantasy should have some world building in there, right? So that we know that we're in a different place and we know what's different about this, um, this world in particular. And, you know, readers tend to know what they're picking up. uh, And so you might think that you don't need to do this, but... Each genre has expectations and yeah. you need to deliver to the reader. So if you're going to write a like a Regency romance and then you're not going to get the details right for that time period, or we don't know for sure that we're in Regency when we pick it up, the reader's going to be looking at this like, well, why would I trust this writer to take me through the story when they can't even get this part right? Mm-hmm. So that's something you have to think about as well. Absolutely. So... I think our main takeaway from this episode is you need to establish why we should care about this character and their journey. Yeah. That's the main thing. That's all you really have to do. All the other stuff is decorative. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the tea on first pages. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at the tea grannies podcast or on Twitter at the tea grannies. This is our last episode before the holidays. Join us on January 7th for episode 5. Happy holidays and happy writing.